Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Come decorate my little tree. And this, this is what sums it up. He, as he was seeing the little uh, merry-go-round that I have, this animated merry-go-round, he looks at me and he grabs his fist and he says, Graham, it's so exciting. <laughs> the, just the anticipation of waiting when we're little kids. He was what they were looking for. So we're going to start this morning. What if we could cultivate our eyes to be able to see him right where we are this morning? What if there are things we can do that will open the heart, the eyes of our heart to be able to see him? That's what we want to explore this morning. That's what we're going to be doing. So let me just start with some prayer. Father, this morning, I ask that you would come close, right where we are. As we're seated in this room, you know the things you have spoken over everyone here. I ask that you would draw near as we come close to you. Bless us, and let the light of your countenance shine on us, Lord. Gaze upon your beloved here this morning. Let us see your smile, Papa. Let us see how you see. Open the eyes of our heart to see how you see. Thank you that you came. Thank you that you're coming. Thank you that you're here right now. In Jesus' name. Okay. So how many of you are waiting on or have received a word or a promise or something of the kingdom from the Lord? Yes. Good. Because I believe the Lord right now wants to meet you right here today, present future, today, in the word that he has given you. I believe he wants to encourage your hearts, and I'm hoping that your hearts will be greatly encouraged. (laughs) Let's look back at that word that you just raised your hand on. I want you just to have it present in your thoughts while I'm talking. When did you first receive it? Let's remember the day that it came to you. What was your response to it? We can have all different responses when God shows up and brings something like this to us. We can uh, be thinking that we're going to be exalted like Joseph was, just so excited. Oh my gosh, my father, my brothers, everyone was bowing to me. So exciting, my future is great. We can have an exultant kind of, ah! We have no idea what's about to unfold in Joseph's life. (laughs) He has no idea. Or 
we can have a response of, no way, you have the wrong person. Like Gideon, no way, no way, don't you know who I am? You've, you've messed up here. And we might need reassurance after reassurance that God is actually speaking to us. We might have a response like Mary, where we're just overwhelmed and we don't know, how could this be? Seriously, he's talking to me. How is this going to work? We might have a response of despair, of an urgency because of the pain in our life. I need this. I need this now. What was your response to the word that he just gave you? If it's a new word, if you've just received it, what is your response? If you've been holding it for a long time, remember what you thought. Mike Bickle tells this story of being in his office and looking at Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 6. And he's pondering this verse. And the presence of the Lord is on him, and it's so sweet. And he's just with the Lord. And he tells his secretary, hold my calls. I'm going to spend this time with the Lord. Don't let anyone call me. And the next thing is, no, his secretary is buzzing him, saying that Bob Jones is on the phone. And he's irritated, but then he says, what does he want? He heard the audible voice of God this morning. He wants to talk to you about it. Okay, okay. So Mike gets on the phone, and Bob Jones says, the audible voice of God told me this morning that the gist of your whole ministry will be on Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 6. So then Mike is like, oh, oh, that's just exactly what I'm being looking at. Oh, and he's all excited. But the thing is, is that Mike had never read the Song of Songs before. (laughs) And when he gets out of this experience with God, he goes over and reads it, and he totally flips out. Oh, my gosh, this is about love and marriage, and ah, it's a women's ministry deal. It's a disaster. I don't want to do it. And then the Lord began to reveal himself to Mike. He revealed who David was, a warrior, a mighty warrior, whose heart was after God's heart, whose heart was after intimacy. And he began to unfold who he was and what his message was going to be to reflect who God is in him. That's, that's how it can be. Our first thought of the word is rarely the whole picture. It comes as a seed. And God wants to grow it and to reveal who he is. And then we see who we are in him. So that is the, that is the posture. That is the first thing we want to look at. When we have a word... We don't know what it's going to cost. We don't know what it entails. 
our first response is just a seed of an opportunity that God wants to unveil and unfold for us. So whatever we feel about the word or whatever our response is to the word that God has spoken over us, it's important to acknowledge that how we see the word at the moment when he released it to us is most likely not it. We're going to walk with him. He's going to be with us, and we're going to unfold this. Whatever we give attention to, whatever we give our time to, whatever we give our focus to, that's what's going to grow in our life. So whenever we receive a word, we need to honor the word, regardless of what our perception is. And we need to ponder it and pray into it and seek the Lord. What do you mean? When is it going to happen? What are you saying? How does it affect me? What are you asking of me? Graham Cook says it this way. God speaks to us about who we are and what we're called to do through who he is and what we watch him doing. He knows us himself, and we see ourselves, our true selves, in him. Emmanuel, God with us. God is with us. Okay. So I just want to uh, bring the, the posture of our heart in any word we have is that we are learning God is teaching us. We're going to see him in a different way than we see him right now. I remember when I first got my words, I remember being a teenager, and I have to say my worldview was this. To please God, you worship him. You pray and you worship. And as a woman, you support your husband. And you support your husband And that is the ministry. Whatever your husband has, that's going to be fully connected to you. That's where you get to express yourself to the Lord. Two years into my marriage, my husband left the Lord, and so that worldview had major difficulty with me. Oh, that means my ability to worship him please him, has just been greatly diminished. (laughs) That was my worldview. And it's true that as women, we're called to support our husbands. There's nothing that isn't true about that. To be a support, to have them lean on us, that's true. But I didn't know God. I didn't know who he was. So I gave myself to worship, an intercession. And then he began to say, you know, ministering to people in their hearts is worship, D.D. So he began to open up my eyes to what he, who he is and how this can fit my little worldview. So I, I just want to take a moment What is your worldview when you first got 
this word you're waiting on? What did you think it was about? And if it's a new word, what do you think it's about right now? What's changed since you got the word? Have you ever gotten an old journal and read through it? And you're seeing how you used to write to the Lord. Or you find something from the past that's way back. And you're listening to yourself, seeing yourself, present, future, but with this little window of how it used to be. And inside you're like, wow. I didn't know anything. (laughs) But there's this place in the spirit that's outside of time and linear where you feel God's love. How much he loved you even there. I think of my little Jaden. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know much. But I know him. And I love him. I couldn't love him anymore. That sense of the journey with God in every place where he's unveiling who he is is the same. He loves us. He's working. He's opening our eyes. But his everlasting arms are right there on the journey. But what we want and why we want this longing in our word changes drastically when we see him for who he is. See, what I wanted was a husband who was fervently, zealously following God because that was my plan. But what God wanted... was that he could reveal and unveil the religious mindsets that were instilled in me. Because he wanted me to know him, how he really is. So then what I really want is him. I just thought it was going to look a different way. So I just want us to stay present with the word that God has spoken to you. Because the mindset of why we want that, the desire of that, is going to change as we see who he is. And it's going to turn into, we want you. Everything that is in our desires moves to him in reality and truth, in the true selves. In our false self or fear, we can want a lot of things to protect ourselves. So, this is the first overall posture of our heart. As I see you. 
what you spoke to me is going to mean different things to me along the way. I believe the Lord wants you to be aware of what you're hoping for in the promise that he's given you. I believe right now, today, he wants to look at you face to face and tell you how much he loves you right in the process, however it changes. So I want you to stay with the word that you thought of while we're going through this. So that's the posture. That's the overlying thing. What we first receive from him is going to change because we do not see. As we see him, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. All right. So another really important thing. This, this is so important for our eyes to be attuned, to be able to, be, to see him, is we have to know, and Luke touched on this last week, we have to know that we know that he said what he said. We may not understand what he said. We may not understand what it's going to look like. We may not understand how it's going to unfold or when it's going to unfold, but we need to know that he said it. So how do we know that we know that he said the word to us? The scripture says that by two or three witnesses, every word is established. So if you have a word and you haven't had the experience like Mary did of her cousin coming, totally confirming the word, but you're standing on a word, then I would get before the Lord and say, I want the confirmation. Because the word is going to be tested. Do you know why God gives us words? He's going to test those words. So let's look at this for a moment. This is Psalm 105, 17 through 22. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons. In Hebrew, what that verse is saying right there is that his soul went into the iron. That's a description of dissociation. That's a description of I'm leaving this reality and going somewhere else. Joseph was tested. The word of the Lord. Okay, he he himself was laid in irons. His soul went into the prison bars until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him and the rulers of people and set him free. And he made him lord of his house and ruler over all his possessions to imprison his princes at will that he might teach his elders wisdom. Wow, that is pretty amazing. (laughs) But we have to know that we know because when we want to escape our reality and move somewhere else, we have to know who it is that spoke that word. We have to be assured. If I'm going to stand through the fire... 
and through the test, through the sacrifice. I want to know that God has truly spoken that to me. It's so, so important. 2 Corinthians 13.1 says, Every word is established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. And then, is there a condition with that? Did the Lord say, I will do this if you do this? It's important that we understand, are we just waiting? And waiting is never uh, without activity or action. But are we just resting, waiting? Or are we supposed to be about something? So let's look at some scripture. Revelation three twelve. The Lord says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on his name the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and my new name. Okay. So is there a condition on, on all of that amazing promise from the Lord? Yeah. He who overcomes. Well, how do we overcome? What does the scripture say about overcoming? Who has overcome the world? And what is it that overcomes? Our faith. Our faith in the one who overcame the world. So presently, right here with the word, God is going to test us. He's going to see, do we believe? Do we trust the one who spoke the word? But we can't trust him if we don't know him. So in the process, he's showing us who he is, walking with us, with us right here, showing us this is who I am. This is why you can trust me. So, so important. Thirdly, we can cultivate eyes that see by resting. After, after we know that he's going to change and we don't have it all, we can't perceive and we do not see or understand, it's a mystery. After we know that, after we have assured ourselves that God has spoken this word to us. After we know what, we're, what our part is, what is he asking of us, then we rest. We rest in the word that he's spoken. Numbers 23.19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said and he... If he says it, he, will he not do it? Or if he's spoken it, will he not make it good? Psalm 138, 2 says, I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your loving kindness and your truth. Grace and truth. Jesus, full of grace and truth. For you have magnified your word according to your name. Some translations say, above your name. You have magnified your word above your name. That's saying he has placed his word above his character. So what is his character? 
as he's showing and revealing himself to us, we need to lift up what we know about him. What do we know about him in the midst of the word that he spoke? And what are the thoughts and intentions going on in your heart around that word? Because it's not just the Lord who's speaking. The enemy also brings his thoughts. And if we are in agreement with the enemy's thoughts, we're going to be in a very insecure place where we're standing. We're going to begin to doubt his goodness. We're going to begin to doubt that he even is. When things get rough and the testing comes, we can often feel shame. I'm ashamed that I even believed this fairy tale. I'm ashamed that people look at me and think that I'm an idiot. (laughs) You're an idiot. The Lord speaks to me in license plates all the time. It's a really fun thing between us. I cannot explain how it is, but I'm just saying it is the greatest thing. And once I was going through the shame, feeling that what I'm seeing in the natural realm is exactly opposite from what he said to me. And I'm ashamed. I'm seeing the faces of those around me thinking I'm an idiot. And the enemy is speaking in the spirit, you're an idiot. And so I'm driving. You know, you're not even aware of what your thoughts are sometimes. I'm driving, and this is, this is going on in the spirit, in, in my head. And a car pulls up in front of me with a license plate. Next to the license plate is a sticker that says, you are not an idiot. <laughs> Okay. We have to know that we know, and we have to lift up the one who spoke to us. So, I just want to play this video. It's very short. And it is high and lofty. And I know that I am right brained, and that's big picture, but I want you to see some glory here. This is the one who spoke to you. I I want you to have your word in your heart right now, and I want you to watch this.
light of the one who spoke the word. Let's just have a candle trimming. Ed in prayer this morning was explaining that when we trim our wicks, get rid of all the dead. Stuff so that our light can shine bright. So in light of the one who spoke the word this morning, let's just have a moment. Are we listening to the enemy? Is he bringing shame because we're waiting? Has he begun to say to you, uh, you need to start taking things into your own hands because God is obviously needs help here. Have we begun to be tempted because of the shame which is falsely based but which feels very real to then move into securing the word? Let's secure it ourselves in our own strength like Abraham. If we've done any of that, let's just let that go. God who made and spoke the stars has spoken to you. We can rest. He's not going to lie. The waiting is painful. The waiting is hard. But he is faithful. I want to just share one scripture. We're almost finished here. This scripture is um, a scripture that changed my life because I've been waiting a long time for something. <laughs> this is out of Hosea. You know, when you begin to wait and wait and wait, you begin to get concerned about your legacy or the fruit or the significance that you're going to leave on the earth, on the planet. But this scripture changed my life, helped me. This is Hosea 14, 8 through 9. O Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like a luxuriant cypress tree, and your fruitfulness comes from me. When we remain and abide in him, he chooses our inheritance. He chooses our legacy. He chooses and is our portion. So we can just let all the issues that the enemy is speaking <laughs> go. God is faithful. He's not a liar. He's going to do what, he called, what he's called you to do. He's going to do it. Okay. The last thing is we need to guard the hope. We need to guard the hope. Hebrews 6, 13 through 20 says, For when God made the promise to Abraham, 
Since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise that unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope built sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. I just want to say that our soul is anchored behind the veil of the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God is, where his very presence is. Our soul can move all around, but I'm telling you, and it's fine to express your complaint to the Lord and be where your soul is, but it is anchored behind the veil. So I want to say this last part. Jesus... Jesus is our hope. Proverbs says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desired fulfilled is a tree of life. Jesus is our tree of life. He was, and He is, and He is to come. We especially go before Him when we're in times of discouragement or times of unbelief, or wherever our soul finds us, we come before him boldly to tell him where we are. Barry and Gail Woods lost their house in the fire, lilac fire, last week. And I was talking to Barry, and I just want to quote him. All we ever need is him. His kindness and compassion are so much higher than earthly possessions. At times I feel so full and then so thirsty for more of him. Maybe, just maybe, it's glory to glory. The God of all hope fills us with hope, which is the earnest expectation of God's goodness. Once it takes root in our hearts, then the promise can be seen in the spirit and the victory becomes ours because God is faithful to his word and his word is alive we have this hope that is anchored behind the veil in Jesus who is our tree of life so I want to end just by praying over heart sickness because the tree of life is present in the now right here he has you He has you in his everlasting arms. So anyone who feels hope deferred, who is sick in their heart, whom the enemy, because of the wait, because of the long time, has spoken words, I just want you to bow your heads right now. Father, I thank you 
that the light of the countenance of your face would shine on all of our hearts, that we would see your face. Thank you, Lord, that you defend our hearts, that you hold us in your everlasting arms. We push away the things the evil one has spoken. In the name of Jesus, we, we trim our wicks. We get rid of the dross, the things that are dead, that have no place in our life, that our spirit would be clear and focused on the one who spoke. So I command all heart sickness to be healed right now in Jesus' name. Because the tree of life is present. He is faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good word, yeah?